Well, hello and welcome back to the Christmas edition of the Middleman Podcast, the last of 2022. And we're going to break down this year in our favourite fighters, our favourite knockouts, our favourite comebacks, just about everything we can think of from 2022, which was a massive year for boxing. And we'll look uh, ahead to Josh, get Jack Catterall, Josh Taylor, they're re- rematching, they're refighting after a crazy result back in February. And Coley's back, we'll give our take on the news that WBO World Cruiserweight Champion Lawrence Coley uh, will defend his belt against David Light. Uh, so, Max, Merry Christmas. Loving the Christmas hat. And we've had a little bit of back and forth on Instagram this week. You kicked <laughs> things off with Fighter of the Year and Comeback of the Year. And uh, I gave mine. And and we, we had a, a nice to and throw on Insta. And I think let's start with favourite moments of 2022. Because, it, like I said, it's been a, a brilliant year of boxing. And I, I think we should start with Comeback of the Year. I, th- I think that's a good place to start. We'll build our way up to favourite fighter um, or best fighter of 2022. My comeback differs from yours. So, do you want to go first? Or- yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll, on, I'll, uh, I'll take the reins, mate. Merry Christmas. Okay. Thank you. I'm in the uh, I'm in a festive spirit. In the in the spirit of giving, giving good and bad takes all across this episode today. So, uh, starting with comeback of the year from 2022, I feel like there's just, there's no other... No, no, no other contestant that suits this better than Jordan Gill versus Karim Grophy. Now, this was just out of absolutely nowhere. You just could not write this moment how Jordan Gill was getting starched. He was out on his feet at times. And I think within the same round where he produced a one-punch knockout to just end Karim Grophy out of just absolutely nowhere like a prime randy orton with an rko you just did not see it coming and he produced that punch and just ended things hit Gurphy flat and and he he was finished he could not get up he was done but for just the, the moment was so big because for gill to produce that you know he was on his way to another loss of his career and we we all know what one loss does to a, to a person to a boxer in their career. You know, it's it's a long road back. Even just lost Catterall, yeah, exactly. So for him to produce that against all the odds in that kind of circumstance was just unbelievable. Like you just you just can't write it when he's when he's on a on just en route to a loss and then <clears> produces what was a stunning knockout as well. Like it, you know. One of my top top five, top six for knockout of the year. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, a nitty gritty way to get the job done. It was a beautiful knockout as well. So to produce that, as I said, against all the odds, big up to Jordan Gill. That is my comeback of the year. I love a comeback in boxing. It's like it's so like Rocky esque. They are brilliant, they, and that's why I love the sport because, like football, like the World Cup final, when I I, I claim well. I got really in the moment. I was claiming to everyone this is the best sport, and then, then you know you take a step back, and actually boxing is it, pretty out there with it as well. Um, but I love a comeback, and mine has to be a fight that you name fight of the year. But I think Lee Wood retaining his world title against Michael Conlon was the comeback of the year um, because it was stunning. It was one of the most stunning comebacks I've ever seen in boxing. He retained his WBA featherweight crown. The gusty last round stoppage. It was something of something that was written in the stars, I think. It was in Nottingham, on his home turf. He was dropped in the opening session. Then he was hurt throughout the bout. Um, but he gave himself a fighting chance. And similar to the reason that my fight of the year, well, I, you know, I'll go to fight of the year in a bit, but it's similar to the reason I picked my fight of the year. Um, 
I think Wood was momentous. I think he was brilliant. It was an unforgettable finish. Both fighters really went on the attack in the final three minutes. Neither gave up. But Wood, who was down and out in the first few rounds, had that shot within him that got Conlon on the ropes. And then the Irishman fell backwards right by the press, right by uh, the cameraman ringside and, and landed in front of those seats. And for me, the spirit, the character of Wood, who was so down and out to come back and win that fight, comeback of the year. Yeah, as you said, Rocky Eskin, that is exactly why that fight is my fight of the year because the back and forth, even before the fight had started, you know, you have Michael Conlon, proud Irishman, got a, obviously a massive fan base who, you know, a lot of those fans even came to Nottingham to uh, to back him and, and show their support. So the arena, the atmosphere, I remember people just were, were lost for words who were actually at the event uh, were just saying like, the, the level of atmosphere this place is at is just nothing like they've ever seen before. So to produce a huge domestic clash like that and then for what actually entailed in those 12 rounds was just just mental. As as you said, you couldn't write it. It was, was written in the stars. Um, and it looked like it was going the complete opposite direction for, for Leeward, as you said. And I think that is why it, it really does fit, um, fit comeback of the year, Bill, well as well. Because to be dropped the way he did with that overhand in, in the first round to then slowly but surely fight his way, you know, find his way back into the fight. Just think that you're a champion. You know, he's stepping into your backyard. You have to assert your dominance and you get dropped in the first round. That is major character development, a major test of the character. So for him to just come back and then do what he did in the 12th round with that, that one-punch knockout, oh my gosh, well... It was like a two-punch kind of knockout up against the ropes, but it was just that one one short uppercut that turned his lights off. You saw, like, it, it wasn't just the fact that he knocked him out as well. It's like what he did to him and, and, and what ensued afterwards, you know, how dramatic it was, how Conlon just, you know, flopped with, with, his, with his hands dangling down and then to fall out the ring, you know, thank God he was okay. Um, it, it was great to see that he was in good condition afterwards. Um, and, you know, he, he wants that rematch again. And if they can do anything like they did in the first fight, then I say bring it on because Conlon did fantastically in that fight just because the way it ended, you know, let's not forget how well he, he fought. He dropped the champ and, and was beating him uh, through the rounds. I'm not sure how it would have been if it went to scorecards because I know Wood dropped him in the round beforehand and that, that might have clinched it if it went to the cards for Wood. But, um, you know, an unbelievable fight, you know, for, for Wood to come back, do it the way he did, as you said, to retain his title on home ground. For me, that, that is my fight of the year. And it's so similar to my fight of the year. It wasn't an uppercut. It was a left hook from the boy. The boy, I mean, you're, Joe, you're a boy. Joe Joyce, who I love. I'm a massive, massive Joyce fan. It knocks out Parker, stops Parker for the first time in Parker's career. He'd gone the distance, Parker, with AJ and White, but he'd never been stopped. And that's exactly what Joe Joyce did. And so similar to uh, the fight we've just been talking about in that it was so back and forth at points. And when just when you thought Joyce had it, Parker showed his spirit. And for me, it was a proper test of character, power and patience. It had everything. A really old-fashioned slugfest. And Parker Joyce is my fight of the year. It's got a bit of controversy saying that. I know on Instagram, people were in my DMs saying that they enjoyed it, but it definitely wasn't. But for me, as a big heavyweight fan as well, it was that Joe Joyce left hook that won in the interim WBO title uh, in 11 rounds uh, after wearing down a man who, like I said, in Manchester, 
or all over the world, but it was in Manchester. He'd never been stopped. It was just incredible for me. Um, and, and Parker, you know, he, he had his successes, actually. He had those leading shots, his backhand right to Joyce's chin. And in the 10th, there was a stoppage where Parker cut Joyce uh, from memory, but, but then you know, Joyce cut Parker as well. I think around later or beforehand, it was such a close fight for the majority. Whilst at the same time, Joyce had that underlying sense of control, and in the end, he just slammed Parker. He really did finish it off in the end, and the lights went out. Like you said, with um, the fight we'd just been talking about, the lights just completely went out. And, and for me, it was fight of the year. Two massive, massive heavyweight fighters going at it toe to toe, and it was it was the slam of a left hook that bombed Parker's jaw and toppled him over the for me, uh, makes that one the fight of the year. Sense of character from both guys. Um, neither of them are, are young fighters either. So that, for me, uh, was fight of the year. And um, I think I think you have to agree, Max, whether it was fight of the year or not. It was an absolutely astonishing bout. Oh, for sure. That is, that is what you want from a heavyweight contest, especially, you know, as you said, none of these guys are old, but Joyce hadn't necessarily had a test like Parker. And, and it, it was a quite a step up in, in competition for Joyce uh, to, to go and face Parker who had never been stopped. So then to do that against him was just such a statement. And I feel like Joyce since then has, has put the heavyweight division on notice. So, you know, if, if you're a, a biggest fan as you are from the heavyweights and then I, I don't see why that can't be fight of the year for you. Do you know what I mean? But when we are talking about this, I do feel like we have to shout out the women as well, because I don't want to yeah. just talk about the men and because, you know, before, uh, I think I did like mid um, mid 2022 boxing awards as well. And my fight of the year uh, for them was Taylor Serrano. So over the time of thinking, you know, it had changed to Wood Conlon, but Taylor Serrano and Marshall Shields, both, you know, if, if anyone told me that that was their fight of the year, I would shake their hand and say, you can't really argue with that as well. It is just a matter of opinion and preference. And, you know, as we said, you, you love the heavyweights and, and th- those, those are the big guys that, that, attract you know new faces to the sport so for them to have you know a, a non-title fight as good as that probably brought a lot of eyes to the sport you know um and and that's that's what you want to see uh from those top guys even even fight close fight and then obviously for it to be uh finished inside the distance so you know a fantastic performance for joe joyce and as you said uh parker was no sleazy he was no pushover he was finding a home for those right hands um but Joyce finish it the way he wanted to and uh, yeah what a fight we'll see how he does Joe Joyce in, in 2023 and another man who will be sure to make headlines in the new year and, and we both agreed on this our fighter of the year Dimitri Bivol um, and, and he caused one off if, if not I think the biggest upset in 2022 back in May uh, defeating the man the myth the legend the man who's just had a statue uh, erected for him Canelo Alvarez beat him on points it was the Mexicans first loss since September 2013 and Max after a fight like that where all the judges agreed that it had to go one way I think that for me and he defended his title um, last month against Gilberto Ramirez uh, by unanimous decision I think for me that that sorts it and Dimitri Bivol wins fire of the year what do you think? Yeah I'm, I'm with you on that um, to beat you know, ever since the loss, people have been arguing about pound for pound, top three, Usyk, Crawford and Nui. But everyone was forgetting who was the face of boxing, who was the pound for pound number one before uh, this year had even started. It was Canelo. Canelo was carrying, you know, he was the top man. He was the man to beat. He had all the titles at 168 pounds. 
He tested himself for the second time at 175 pounds at light heavyweight. But Dmitry Bivol, our fighter of the year, was not having it. He was he was not an old Sergey Kovalev. He was putting it on Canelo, and you know you you have to be already even before his his fight with Ramirez. I remember uh, when we had Mighty Max on, and he said, you know, he still needs to get a convincing win. This was before he fought Ramirez. He said he still needs a convincing win against Ramirez if he wants to solidify his his position as uh, the fighter of the year. But just beating Canelo already puts you in such a, a huge position for that. As you said, hadn't lost for how many years? Nine years, you know, since since yeah, his loss to Floyd years. Mayweather. The, the man the man is just unbelievable. You cannot deny it. You know, you see a lot of Canelo haters online, but a win against him is extremely hard to come by so for Bivol to do that the way he did it you know he didn't let Canelo get into the fight he didn't let Canelo play to his strengths Canelo was going for the power shots to the arms Bivol was not phased we've we seen we've seen what those have done to to uh, boxers who fight a light heavyweight now with with Callum Smith you know he tore Callum Smith's bicep just by banging on that arm for 12 rounds. But Bivol is just simply built different. It didn't even slow Bivol down. He was shooting off combinations, never making and it keeps easy. keeps distance. He's got the size and and the physique to be able to keep to keep a fighter at distance. That's what Bivol is so good at. That's why he's such a special fighter, right? Exactly. And, and he used all of that to his advantage, his, his size, everything that he had over Canelo, he used, which some people can't, you know, as I said, Cameron Smith, six foot four, not able to, to work Canelo out and Canelo would just walk him down. Bivol just went in there with an element of fearlessness. And, and, you know, I think that is quite instilled in him from his Russian culture anyway. You know, we're not scared of these guys, the temptation they have. He knew what he could do, and he did that perfectly. You know, I've never seen a guy with such fast hands at light heavyweight. It's just insane. As you said, measuring the distance. He's quite like Canelo in that sense. He doesn't necessarily need to pop a jab to measure his distance. He can just move up to the guy just just on, with footwork alone. And you, he already knows if he's in punching range, and, and that's what he did. Beautiful combinations. And he just showed the same thing um, against Gilberto Ramirez as well after Canelo, his second fight of the year. This was the fight to make him fighter of the year. And, you know, he put on a show. He put on a show. Gilberto Ramirez, padded record, 44-0, doesn't really reflect the quality of fighter that he is. But he still had a tough Mexican fighter in front of him. And Bivol went in there and he brought the Mexican style to the Mexican. That is that is such a statement that he made. You know, two massive statements of the year. You've got other guys floating around, Nayo Inouye, uh, Bam Rodriguez. But I think for the for the quality of opposition that I fought, um, Bivol has to be has to be fighter of the year for sure. I've got to say, Bivol, like Usyk and, and other fighters from that part of the world, are just completely unafraid, and that's why I, I, I love that that stable of boxer. And he did tarnish Canelo's record ever so slightly. I mean, Canelo will go down as one of the greatest in some people's eyes, the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT to a lot of people and he goes into 2023 having met his match in 2022. He also goes into 2023 with a new statue that's, that's just been built in Mexico and I think Ronaldo had one built in Portugal and it's happened before where the real kind of gems of the sport, the creme de la creme of individual sports are, are honoured with statues in their home country. Um, but I think for me, it's always like, I think an athlete, regardless of the sport, has to finish a career before a statue is built of them. Whilst they're still playing or fighting or doing whatever they're doing, how can you have a statue built? You, you never know what's around the corner. I mean, Ronaldo, 
I'm sure a statue still w- would have been built in, in Lisbon. I think it's in Lisbon, but look at the World Cup he's just had. Canelo can drop off, often boxers do at the end of their career. I think it's, well, obviously I understand why the Mexicans have built a statue of him, but at the same time, not my preference to build a statue of someone whilst they're still still fighting or still playing. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. And I, I think like, you got you got to think, you know, d- depending on the mentality of the fighters, what does that actually do to the fighter? You know, because if you've got an impressionable, influential fighter um, who, who already has an ego, which, you know, let's be real, a lot of these top athletes do, naturally, you, you're going to when, when you're that you're that much of a superstar and you're that famous. But to me, if someone's, if I go outside my door now and someone's built me a statue uh, saying, well done, you know, you've achieved so much. Um, this is this is the statue to commemorate what you've done. You're going to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to sit back and say, oh, well, there we are. You know, I've, 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 I can retire now. I can do, I can do what I want. I've got a statue. You know, everything's, everything's commemorated. I've achieved all I've needed to. Um, so, you know, that, that does kind of give the wrong message to, to a, a fighter or an athlete when they're already in their career, when they've still got things they want to achieve and they've still got goals and objectives. I understand it because, you know, regardless, if Canelo retires tomorrow, He's done so much for the sport. He has achieved so much for the sport and he's broken records. That does deserve a statue. But honor that when his career is all said and done because he might even go on to achieve more. So understand, you know, the... Um, I, I don't know actually who it was that um, erected but this, think, you know, this statue. I, but the, lo- the local council city or so- someone in Mexico built the statue. I'm, I'm going to build you a statue, by the way. So you have yeah, one. Cheers, mate. When, when you, <laughs> with, with the when Santa you, hat on. When you walk out of the door with your Santa hat on <laughs> in honour of Max Taylor, the greatest boxing podcaster on the planet. Um, yeah, Brilliant. yeah. I, I always use the kind of statue thing as a metaphor with, with players like Harry Kane. Wait to see out the end of your career, stay at Spurs, have a statue built, you become a legend. Um, and I think you're right in a sense. If, if Spurs built a statue of Kane now, he'd probably be thinking, you're right, I've achieved all I can at Spurs, let's move on. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's understandable, but a little bit odd at the same time to have it built whilst he's in the prime of his career. But at the same time, uh, I guess you never know what's around the corner in life with anyone regardless of whether you're a professional athlete or not. So why not honour someone whilst they're still there and in their prime to, to experience it, I think is probably the counter-argument. Um, plenty of fights happening in 2023. Two big ones announced uh, in the build-up to Christmas on the time of recording. Two massive fights yesterday to so the 22nd of December announced with uh, Jack Catterall rematching Josh Taylor in the new year for the WBO Super Lightweight title, being Glasgow again. It'll be in March. Um, we all know what happened the last time with Jack Catterall. Controversial, I think. I think it's fair to say being robbed by by Josh Taylor, who just was completely under par, completely off his game all, all evening. And whilst he lasted, obviously, uh, I think there was some favourable uh, decision-making going on there. And then Lawrence Acoli uh, fighting David Light of New Zealand. Light, who's... Uh, unbeaten, I think 18-0, and 0, won a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, so the guy has a record and he, he's clearly a decent fighter. Um, but we'll start with uh, Josh Taylor, um, Jack Catterall, a great chance for Jack to, to come back and claim, I think it's a WBO title. It's not an undisputed one. The Ring Magazine's in there as well for the super lightweight title. Um, I think more than anything, it's a chance to prove that in the first fight, it was taken away from him unjustifiably and he did deserve really to have won that fight 
and almost a year on, we're going to get it again. It was a brilliant clash. Um, how's Josh Taylor going to respond? Is he going to come out all guns blazing to prove that it was just a one-off night? Fascinating bout that we've got on our hands, Max, and one I'm really looking forward to. Very, very hard to pinpoint who will win. Yeah, no, we, we saw how, how close this fight um, has the potential to be, obviously, earlier this year. Now, you did you did, you did touch on one thing there, how it's uh, only for one world title. And, you know, I'm not going to make this too much about the sanctioning bodies, but this should be for all the belts. And how, how can any boxer, any undisputed champion cement their legacy, make undisputed title defences when you've got uh, sanctioning bodies left and right stripping the man of, of his titles? This is you know, one of, if not the biggest fight at 140 pounds. I know you've got big names. You've got Reggie Progre, who's just won, just won a WBC title. And you've got Tiafimo Lopez and, you know, Devin Haney, who, who well, Lopez uh, fought at 140, doesn't look great. Um, and, and Haney wants to step up as well. But, you know, we, we've seen how good this fight is. Josh Taylor is still the creme de la creme of the 140 pound division. To me, he's still the top dog. He got gifted a massive decision in the Jack Catterall fight. You know, Huge. some people like to say robbery. I'm very critical of that word. I'm very critical. It, to me, it has to be, you know, you have to be winning very, very convincingly. It wasn't very convincingly. It was a tight fight. Let's not let's not get that misconstrued. Catterall was not dominating that fight. It was tough. But Taylor Taylor knows he has to do better. All I all I got to say about these two guys is the cojones on the pair of them is massive. Cojones on Josh Taylor to say. You know, not not to avoid cattle. He could say, "Oh, you know, that that was that well, was a tough it. fight." He's, he's he's jumped that hurdle now. And, and actually, you're right. Fair play to Josh Taylor for for going back to that, knowing full well that based on the first fight, he he might not win. And yeah, that, that takes balls. It's 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 the biggest. Uh, it's the closest he's seen to to a loss in his career. So to for his next his next move, his next fight, you know, his his response to that to be will go again. You have to applaud that. That is real champions mentality. Um, and Cajonas for, for Catterall as well. To say, I fought this guy once, fought my best, should have won the fight and, and didn't get the decision. So I'm going to fight him again in his backyard in Glasgow. To do that where it's even more unlikely that he's going to get the decision. You have to applaud that. You know, this man is chasing greatness. He, he, he won't settle down for nothing. He, won't, he can't be put down. He's relentless, uh, is Jack Catterall. So... And I think he's going to show that in the ring again. But I, I think, to be fair, I think that was a it was a one-off night for Josh Taylor. A one-off night where it could have gone horribly wrong and, and he could have had the first loss of his career. But I think we'll see him in final fettle next against Jack Catterall. That, that's the thing, and, and, and it didn't. And that's why Josh Taylor is such a quality fighter, because you're right, it could have very easily gone wrong and he kept his head to just see it over the line. So great fight in March. Lawrence Coley also back in March. Um, and we'll very just quickly touch on uh, his fight with David White, uh, the Hackney boy, with a mandatory defence of this one uh, kind of forced upon him. But quickly, in the cruiserweight division, British boxing-wise, it's screaming with talent. Chris Billum-Smith, um, I know it's desperate to bring that belt home to Bournemouth and get his name in there. Uh, Richard um, Rayor. Rayor? Yeah. Um, Rayor, yeah. Yeah, again, quality fighter. He's um, taking on Glowacki on the uh, Chris Eubank, uh, Liam Smith card. So I think he he's desperate to set up a title fight with Akoli. I think Akoli will come through this one. He hasn't fought in a year, though, because of match room and, and boxer and joining boxer with contract disputes. And, and, and like we were saying, just before we jumped on the podcast, perhaps 
he's coming out the winner of this, actually getting a fight at last. Um, world-class fighter, Lawrence Cody, as we all know, brilliant story. Uh, you know, from a guy that worked in McDonald's to a world champion, guy is an inspiration to everyone. Great to see him back in the ring, fan favourite of most British boxing fans, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he, he has his own character and, and, and he was a, a big character to for Matchroom to have lost. Um, and we, we don't know, you know, we, we've seen bits and pieces across socials and, and in the media of what's kind of gone on with, uh, with Matchroom and Akoli, but, you know, let's deal with the facts with what we've seen. We've seen Akoli leave Matchroom, join Sky Sports, join Boxer and have a fight pinned down already. So, you know, from that, looks like Matchroom might have been the problem, but apparently, you know, Akoli was asking for a bit much. He was thinking he's a, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit better than he was, maybe demanding too much. World, world champion status might have gone to his head a little bit. But, but, but you say that, but he's a world champion. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's got the world champion status. He's not. Yeah, he's not someone pretending to be a world champion. Does he not deserve world champion treatment? He does. He does. And and you know he he deserves everything that comes with that. But you know world championship, uh, world champion status doesn't necessarily mean you are the hottest kid on the block. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's publicity. There's a lot of different things that goes into building a big fighter. And unfortunately, you know, as much as I would love just for boxing to do the talking world championship and a, and a world title is only one factor in that one factor in you being a big boxer you know you, of course he's got the fan base and as you said majority of the of the uk are behind him but you know there, there are still other things um that come with that so i'm not sure if he was maybe overestimating himself but you know of course you have to back yourself um matchroom matchroom said they they couldn't do it they, they didn't want to do it for him but obviously uh sky sports ben shalom at boxer you know who he would, he would welcome a character like Lawrence Acoli, of course, you know, take him in with open arms uh, because he could be, as you said, they've got such a great cruiserweight stable being built yeah. there with Chris Billum Smith, you know, who fought um, Isaac Chamberlain and, and Richard Riakpour, you know, one of the faces as well of uh, of Sky Sports right now. Um, so for Acoli to join the fray and almost join fights with uh, with those guys if they they keep on uh, being able to prove themselves that's that's an easy fight to make because they they're all they're all part of the same stable and and Akoli's got the title and these guys are going to be looking at him like you know I want a piece of that so you know depending on on how their next fight goes Billum Smith obviously um the other week with a with a statement win uh top 3 uh for me uh, British fighters knockouts of the year because that was just a beautiful combination that he had um so you know, for, for him to go on to, to fight Akoli, why not? Let's see that. Uh, but let's see how Akoli performs as well, because, you know, as, as we said, a, a huge, uh, huge possibilities, endless possibilities at, at Cruiserweight uh, for, for the for the UK guys here at Sky Sports. It'd be really interesting as well to see if in 10 years' time, that's Eddie Hearn's biggest regret. Right, really quickly, 10 seconds, because yeah. we're almost out of time. Okay. Santa, Santa's coming this Christmas. It gives you one yeah. wish for 2023. What's it going to be? Yeah, uh, just one. What? You get one. Uh, one. Spence versus Crawford. Got to be done. Bang. It's, it's the fight to make. You have to do it. Right. I want England to win the Rugby World Cup. That's... Beautiful. I can get behind that as well. <laughs> <laughs> English Welsh. She's got it all. Uh, that's it from the Minimum Podcast. Thank you so much for everything this year. All the support for listening and subscribing with everything you do on YouTube and Spotify and all the other streaming platforms. And it wouldn't be anything without you. It wouldn't be anything without you listening. So thank you so much. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> uh, from from me, Noah, it's been an absolute honor and privilege this year and can't wait for twenty twenty three.
exactly guys more years to come uh more blessings to come more guests everything more content just a lot you know we, the middlemen are here to stay uh, as noah said happy holidays happy hanukkah everything uh you know enjoy it with your family stay safe and uh we'll see you in the new year